Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Where we talk about spiritual stuff, trashy stuff, and all the stuff in between. I'm Holly Everparty. And I'm Jordana Levine. Holly, I've got a great Facebook message for this week. Tell me, girl. Um, it was from Camille Goldstone Henry. And yes. it's actually her boyfriend that we want to give a shout out to. He came home, I think it was on the Saturday morning. Yeah, Saturday morning, with a bunch of sunflowers and some takeaway coffees in honour of Tim losing The Bachelorette. Oh can't even handle I saw that post and died like men take note yeah I know I just love it the look on his face as well like he's super proud of himself (laughs) (laughs) he's like I did so well Tim's been posting some beautiful topless photos oh my god hello has he ever looked more sexy never in his life I don't think I think a PR person swept in and gone babe it's all about the tats and the man bun go yeah and now he's just running with it Oh, my God. There was one post where I just couldn't stop looking. He had the low shorts on. There were some veins. Veins, Jules. There were veins. I'm in. (laughs) So about it. Oh, man. Guys, I'm a little bit stressy right now because I had a little sitch with my Aunt Archie Rose this morning, resident Barker in the background of the potty. Mm. He's got gastro. It's really not that big a deal. But I just get thrown when pets get sick. It's a big problem of mine. Well, I guess also because they can't communicate what's going on. Right. And it's like, I just want you to be better. But look, all systems look fine. At least we won't be interrupted this episode. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I guarantee Archie will find a way to interrupt <laughs> He probably will. <laughs> How's your week been, Jordan? Mm. It's been good. I quit coffee and then I started coffee again because I was That's like, right. I've got so much shit going on. Like, I would rather just be super happy in the mornings when I have my coffee. Don't need yeah. to add to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You I were think- getting serious about this time quitting, though. Like, you were on the Vox of me being like, Holly, you've got to call me out. Like, you, I didn't do a good job when you, you know, were like, I'm going back to coffee. Do you know what coffee. it was, though? I didn't actually – I didn't have the withdrawals I usually have, and I didn't feel shit without it, which made me kind of feel – like, I didn't feel that different with it and without it. So I was totally. just like, oh, I might as well go back to it. And – I mean, I truly think that coffee for me is a spiritual experience. I do think it is. Talk to me about that. I just like, I love it. I love it so much and not just on an addicted level, but I love the taste. I love the ritual. I love the company. I meet the same friend every morning for a coffee. I I love the people that make my coffee. I just love the whole experience. Yes. And it does something to me that is so valuable that without it I just don't think it's worth it do you know what I like about this job because I was like how is she gonna spin this one but you've done well thank you it is the piece around ritual 
And I do feel a lot of people with their coffee or it could be their cacao or their tea, it is that beautiful ritual Mm. and it ignites the senses like we were talking about in sensuality last week because it's the taste but it's also the temperature and it's the connection if you're sitting with someone or sitting on your own. Like there are a few components where it's not just about the caffeine hit. So I do get that. Absolutely. And I now, I used to grab my takeaway coffee in the morning and then I'd either drink it on my way to some sort of exercise or I'd drink it while I was walking. I just don't do that anymore. I sit down and I drink it at the cafe or wherever I get it from and then I'll hop in the car and do whatever I need to do. So really like savoring the moment, really tasting it, really feeling it. I mean, this is the other thing with caffeine. Like you can feel it slowly start to ignite your cells. Mm, And it is, I guess, a spiritual act of presence as well. Like it's a nice reminder to, like you said, not just grab it and go on your way, but actually be with it. And I can relate to that when I make my cacaos. I mean, I think you said a few weeks ago, if there was a sentence to sum me up, it would be just got to make a cacao. (laughs) For me, that is my like hot drink ritual where I'll even get my sage or palo santo and, you know, use that as I prepare prepare the cacao and put music on and it's a really embodied experience so in that regard I can understand what you're saying about coffee being a spiritual experience for you and I think a lot of listeners are going to agree with that too yeah I think so it was so funny when I I put a thing on Instagram this week and I was like on Monday I gave up coffee on Wednesday I took up coffee a love story (laughs) and the comments on the post are hilarious because everyone's like oh my god my life or I get it or I can relate and it's it's true because it is this like constant battle yeah Mm. do you know what's interesting actually this is drawing a parallel to me mid-year and I shared openly on the podcast that I was like I'm giving away my oracle cards I'm not meditating at the moment I've stopped journaling and that giving up only to rediscover the practices and I'm back in that point of rediscovery right yes I love that let's talk about that because I actually I'm sort of in a stage at the moment where Aside from a medi in the morning, I don't really have many spiritual practices at the moment. I mean, look, I run moon circles every two weeks. So, of course, like I still have my moon rituals, but I very rarely pull from my tarot deck these days. I'll only mm. journal on a, on a significant moon. My crystals are around my house, but I'm not really doing anything specific with them. Mm. But I still feel like a pretty whole human. Yeah, I think that that's what I've learned this year is that you can dip your toes in and out and it doesn't have to be this consistent and regimented practice. Mm. And the beauty of the spiritual tools are you can dabble in and out of them and there are no rules. Like rules actually don't apply. So last year I had put rules on myself that my morning had to be meditate, pull a card or three journal do this do that and tick all of those boxes before you start your day but then this year when I went all or nothing I'm now in this really relaxed space of if I feel the call to pull a card or three I'll do it but it's not every day or every week it's just when I feel it you know yeah absolutely yeah so actually it happened yesterday I had a friend come over and I was like how about we pull some cards? I haven't pulled cards in ages. And it was a really enjoyable experience because it had been so long between actually using my intuition in that way. Mm. And I feel that sometimes, George, we can almost overuse and that loses its, not necessarily its impact, but you lose your appreciation for the power in tools like 
oracle or a pendulum or whatever it is you're using. Do you know what I mean? Do you? uh, No. I'm going to ask for clarification. Do you mean um, overuse the tools or overuse your intuition? Overuse the tools. I don't think you can ever overuse your intuition. But for me, I was using the cards at every second I needed to make a decision. And every morning there was a spread regardless of how I was feeling. Well, this is where you're taking the power away from yourself, right? Totally, because you're outsourcing to the tools. But now I feel like I'm listening to my intuition regardless, especially over the last three to four weeks where it's been heightened for everybody. But if I'm feeling the call to grab my cards and pull a spread, I actually am way more present and invested in the message that I'm receiving because it's not a constant ritual. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's yeah. totally, it's totally the space that I'm into. It's funny, I realized um, only once, uh, much like you, like only once I kind of pulled back and not con- it wasn't conscious for me like it was for you. Like I know you consciously mm-hmm. pulled back from everything. But mine was just kind of, it just kind of fell to the wayside a little bit, I guess. I realized how much more I was relying on my own guidance. And now, like you said, when I go back to tarot or when I go back to my Oracle decks or whatever I do, it holds a lot more significance. Absolutely. And I almost feel the messages are like, you get those moments again of like, whoa, that was so spot on, as opposed to, yeah, I'm hearing that every day and I'm pulling the same kind of cards every second day. Or, I mean, I keep talking about cards, but there are so many different tools we can use, Jord. Um, the pendulum's another one, which I I mean, I haven't touched my pendulum in, I reckon, a year. Uh, for those listening who are unsure what a pendulum is, maybe you should watch Charmed. <laughs> but basically, it's like <laughs> crystals on a string. And depending on which way the pendulum goes, it gives you a yes or no. But again, it's outsourcing decisions, right? Rather than relying on what's going on inside. Yeah. Uh, but also, I, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the pendulum picks up on the energy much like muscle testing would. Yes, you're right. That's a good point, actually. And I got in a, a phase recently where I was overly muscle testing. You actually called me out on that. I get obsessed with things. Yeah, you yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, I think we all do, though. I think we've, we've all, we all do, especially when times are tough and we're looking for answers and it can be really frustrating waiting for the next part of the cycle to take place and waiting for the answers and not having um, instant validation and instant confirmation. And, you know, I I can be one of the most impatient people I know. Um, And it really comes back to that faith and that trust piece, you know. So if you, again, it's like everything we talk about on here, when you go to your oracle deck or same goes for when you're calling a psychic or you want to have you know your tarot cards read or a reiki healing or whatever it is you're doing what is my intention behind this why why am i doing this yeah it's a good uh, point you brought up there jord around calling a psychic because last week was a shocker of a week for me like uh, like absolutely shocking and i can say it now that trent's been in japan for two weeks i've been on my own um i didn't want to say that while he was away but he's back now thank the lord uh and i was at this low where i'm like i'm gonna call a psychic i'm gonna book in i need a psychic reading and then i stopped i'm like holly you're you're actually okay you're just trying to outsource the stress that you're feeling for someone else to tell you everything's going to be okay and we know that 
everything is always okay, even though it doesn't often look it in stressful moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that is that trust piece. And it's how willing are you to really step into that embodied state of trust because it doesn't always feel like clarity. It can feel like total discomfort. Yeah. It's like I had that um, similar experience, but in the opposite way where I was given the details of a really great psychic that a friend yeah had sent me and I called her and she's like oh honey um you know I'd love to fit you in but I've got this this and this on I can't fit you in for three weeks and I sat with it and I went okay sure let's put it in for three weeks time and I thought because I was like what is my intention behind this is my intention to get answers right in this second is my intention to solve a problem that I need to get out of right now Or is my intention to experience this psychic that my friend said was really great and when I get the reading, I get the reading. It doesn't matter how soon or far away it is. It's that spot on, Jord. I had this chat with a girlfriend of mine who was going through some challenges and she's like, okay, I'm going to book him with a psychic now. And I just said, just sit on it for a week. And if you still want to see her, then book. And a few days went by and she's like, oh, I don't need to see her. I was just in my head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, It's interesting. I thought what might be nice with this discussion is lovely for us to start off and be like, you don't need these practices and, you know, only turn to them when your intention's right. But it might be nice to actually share some of the like details of the way that we use these different tools so that people can start to play around with them a little bit. So I love that. Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna start maybe with let's start with how you use Oracle cards. Oracle are my tool of choice and I received my first deck. I used to play with angel cards when I was a little girl, but I received my first proper deck from one of my super intuitive magical cousins, Jessie, maybe about three years ago now. And it started as me just playing and pulling cards. And then as I was sitting opposite coaching clients, my intuition at the time, I didn't realize it was my intuition. I thought it was this voice in my head (laughs) was saying, pull a card for this person. And that's when I started to see the real potency that pulling a card can have for other people. So for me, my relationship with Oracle quickly went into this reading for others, but now it feels very sacred in reading for myself. And the way that I pull cards, I, used to have about 10 to 12 decks. Now I've probably got about four or five and I will, it will literally drop into my head. I'll see the deck in my head or, or feel it because I don't actually visually see, but I'll feel the deck and it would literally be calling me. But it's like, okay, this deck is calling me and then I'll go to it and I'll pull. And I was teaching our friend Genoa to read cards yesterday and he said, how do I do it? Like, what do I do? And I said, how do you feel like doing it? Because yes, it comes with the booklets at the front and it, it is important to get an idea of who created the cards and their intention behind them. But for me, I always will shuffle the deck and then just see where my hands kind of take me. So sometimes I'll pull three out. Sometimes one will fly out. Sometimes I'll just pull until the cards tell me to stop pulling. There's no real uh, regimentation in my process. Um, But always for me, once I pull the spread, before I go directly to the book, I'll feel into the colors, the message, the themes, and what my intuition is telling me. And then for me, the book is always just a backup in case I didn't get the clarity that I wanted from my own intuition. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What... How do you personally stop yourself when you're doing a reading for yourself, stop yourself going, 
I'm just going to pull one more card for clarification. I just want to pull one. And I think with Oracle, it's probably easier. And I'll talk about Tarot in a minute. But most Oracle cards are pretty positive. So you never pull one and you're like, oh, that's not great. I'll pull something else. With Tarot, it can get a bit icky sometimes. So totally. do, you, do you have that? Or when you, you're kind of looking for an answer and it's not coming up and you're like, oh, one more card. I... I don't I think I must have in the early days and realize that it never works that way and you'll always end up pulling the same bloody card every time even though you don't want to or whatever it is so I've stopped doing that and if I get a card I've got a couple of oracle decks that are quite tarot-ish in nature in that there are some heavy cards in there and if I pull one of them I'll notice my resistance to receiving that card and go whoa okay that message is like super loud and clear and then I usually look up to the universe and go right okay got you but sometimes then I'll shuffle it back in and be like just in case and then I'll pull the same card again (laughs) it's like okay you you can't fool the universe guys (laughs) you can't fool the universe so is that what you find you do with tarot George oh look I've been doing tarot for a really long time so I, I have a few different ways that I work with it um would you like to hear all of them I want to hear every single one of them. Okay. So the first thing I do, well, the first thing you have to do with the tarot deck is you have to make sure, it's much like an oracle deck as well, but you have to make sure that your energy is infused in the deck. So if a lot of people have been handling my deck, I'll clear the deck, start again, and make sure that it's all me. How Um, do you clear the deck? I hold the deck in my non-dominant hand, and I tap the deck three times to move the energy around. And then I touch every single card in the deck so one card at a time coming off the pile until my touch has been on every single card and then I give them a good shuffle and then that's done beautiful yeah that you can do that with oracle too guys yeah to clear energy so what I'd usually do with tarot if I'm looking for an answer to um a specific problem is um I'd usually decide to pull decide what my intention is before I pull the cards so I would say I'm going to pull three cards aha the first card is past the second card is present the third card is future or I'd go, I'm going to pull three cards and the three cards will just tell me a story. Or I'm going to pull three cards. First card is me. Second card is him. Third card is us. You know, and that. decide what the intention is, not before you pull, but as you're shuffling. So I will shuffle the cards and I'll split the deck three times with my non-dominant hand and then I'll repile the deck and split it into two but there's so many different ways to do it and to be honest with you lately I've been playing around with the method that she bear uses where I'll just keep shuffling until cards fall out I love that I really like that lately it's been really good but like I said I have to work out before I go in what question I need an answer to what my intention is with the amount of cards that come out Otherwise, we go, oh, three cards, that's me, that's her, that's, you know what I mean? So and you can just, just make it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, other times, if I'm doing like a big, big uh, life situation or problem, I'll do what they call a Celtic cross. And you can look up the Celtic cross spreads. Um, each placement of the card has significance to it. Um, mm. And they're really great. But most of the time what I do with my tarot deck is I make it part of my new moon and full moon ritual. And as I'm writing my intentions down, I'll pull three cards that are significant for the upcoming lunar month. And that's all it is. And then I'll write down 
what the card is, what my interpretation of the card is and what it means, and then that's it. I just leave it. I don't really do anything much more to it than that. I love that so much. Yeah. What about crystals, John? You mentioned before you have them over your house. Are there other like quirky ways that you might use a crystal from time to time? Well, first of all, I just want to make clear that they're not over my house. They're in my house. Her house <laughs> is embellished with crystals, guys. You should see it. It's wild. <laughs> the crystal roof. Uh, I Look, I do. Like I said before that I don't, but that's, that's not true. Like the more I think about it, whenever I'm recording something, especially video, not potties, but when I'm recording my um, new moon circles or my full moon circles or I'm recording a video for a program or whatever, I always hold my rose quartz sphere in my hand because it keeps me really centered and grounded. Um, And I've got um, rose quartz on either side of my bed, so one on each bedside table to even out the um, energy upstairs. And I've got all the crystals that I use for my crystal grid when I create a crystal grid. But to be honest with you, I haven't made a grid in a while. I just haven't felt the need to. You created a grid for us when we did a manifestation piece on the middle and I slept so well with that grid downstairs, remember? Oh, my God, that's right. We kept it out all night. That's mental. It was amazing, yeah. I use crystals similarly to you, Jord. I carry a citrine in my wallet, so a really little one, and then any time I'm doing my zero, which I do need to do regularly now, I get my big mama citrine and make a little altar next to my laptop because citrine is the crystal of abundance and manifestation. I love to use citrine for that. I also have rose quartz, I think, in every room of the house except the kitchen, um, even in the bathroom. And I I get crystals sent to me in dreams. And this happened before I was even using them. And I remember clear as night, <laughs> one night, dreaming and having labradorite and lapis lazuli both come to me in a dream and I didn't know that they were crystals but I looked up those words I'm like oh I must need them and that's how crystals visit me from time to time now they'll download in a dream and then I'll go out and grab them and that use them. That is so nice that's so yeah. nice. You know it's funny I've been looking at all my crystals lately um, and every single one of them bar maybe three um, were gifted to me Oh really? Yeah all, I the, love all that. the significant ones were. I mean, I've bought some really big, beautiful ones for myself, but my most special ones, yeah, were were gifts from people. Good point. Mine too. My big mama amethyst and my big citrine were Trent's wedding gift to me. And then my sister got me a couple of birthdays ago this amazing yellow calcite. And I always get gifted rose quartz and I never complain because rose quartz is my favorite. So crystals are a really good gift for the spiritual modern day gal, don't you think? Absolutely. Um, If people are wondering ways that they can use crystals in their practice, I think the best way to use crystals is as an anchor point or as a grounding point. So when you're journaling, just have your crystal beside you or on the journal. Same when you're pulling um, cards, like just having the crystal nearby. Yeah, Um, yeah. So not... I mean, a lot of people, this is controversial, I guess. A lot of people disagree with me. But I think that a crystal holds the energy that you need it to hold. So although rose quartz, you know, is great for self-love and, you know, the, you know, the purity around unconditional love and all that sort of stuff, I think if you need it to be grounding, it will be grounding. And if you need it to be expansive, it will be expansive. And 
I you agree know? with you, Jord. I think your intuition will always guide you to the crystal that you need, and it's less about what that crystal's vibration is doing and more that intuition is telling me to hold this right now. I also think it's important if you work one-on-one with people that you have some kind of clear quartz or maybe an obsidian or a tourmaline to just ground energy in working one-on-one with a person. That's another way that I definitely use crystals. Yeah, beautiful. Nice. Oh, and then another hot tip is um, shungite, which is the black crystal. Looks a lot like obsidian, but it's called shungite. It's really good to have around strong EMF waves in the house. Oh. So putting them around the television, around the Wi-Fi, around the appliances in the kitchen. Okay. Um, a lot of hippies up here wear shungite bracelets and shungite necklaces just because there's so many EMFs everywhere. And yeah, if it's you're just going to get bigger. If you're quite sensitive, like if you're a hypersensitive person like I am, mm. um you can really, really feel them, and shungite really helps. Well, you said that at 11.11, so that's my takeaway for the morning. Yay. I'm going to get me some shungite. What other – do you, for instance, Jord, I know there are so many other cool spiritual tools, and we'll, we'll talk about more, but one that fascinates me that I do not understand is runes. Do you know anything about runes? That is so weird. I just had this, like, um, no, but when I was growing up, my mum had runes and they were in this little velvet pouch and she had the runes book and they're very soft like bone. They're yes. beautiful, but no, I my don't cousin, know what to say about them. No, neither. I need to ask Jessie, my same cousin that gifted me my first Oracle deck because she makes runes and uses runes and I just find it so – I mean, if you're a listener using runes, we would love to hear because there's something – almost tarot-esque about runes because they are so ancient. What is on? What are the symbols on runes? I don't know. I don't know if it's a different rune language or if it is Roman numerals. They're, they're made original, like, um, authentically on bone, like animal bone. Yeah. Oh, like okay. It's, yeah. It's oh. very, like, um, Norse, Odin-esque yeah, yeah. energy. Oh, love it. Right? It's kind of Viking vibes. I'm going to ask mum because she definitely used them. So I'll get back to you. I'm so intrigued. What are other tools? We've spoken pendulum. Um, that, uh, that, we, that we use. Um, well, for me, it's all about setting the scene spiritually, right? So yeah. oh, I kind of mentioned it in the sensuality um, episode, but because I'm so sensitive, <laughs> I'm not sensitive as in like you can hurt my feelings because you can't. I've got a heart of ice heart of cold I was gonna say cement heart of ice um cold cold heart no I mean in the sense of my sensory um Mm. I find that I can tap into intuition and connect to source when the lighting's really low yes so either candle light or salt lamp light yeah salt lamp light I actually find the best because of the red glow it just helps me access source better Mm. um beautiful scents that become anchor points for me much like crystals i have certain scents that bring me into a state of connection now for many people you know they say frankincense is you know this spiritual oil Mm. that like connects you not for me like frankincense just sends me on a high and i can't connect to anything fascinating grounding stuff for me so patchoulis cedar woods sandalwoods anything that brings me back down to earth Mm, yeah mm. so um 
yeah, scents like that. And then, uh, yeah, lighting, scents, temperature. Can't yes. be too hot, can't be too can't cold. Can't be too cold. And um, oh, the other thing I've really noticed lately, I'd love to hear what you think, and I suggest this a lot in yoga at the moment, is this feeling of weightedness. Again, it's the grounded feeling, yeah. I think. But like when I'm meditating now, I always make sure that I've got something super heavy on my lap. So it's not always a blanket, but I've got like a really heavy pillow, (laughs) which we call the rock pillow. Have you ever felt my rock pillow? No. Oh my God. It's on my bed. It's like the most uncomfortable pillow ever, but I love it. It's like, it's like lying on a surfboard. I love it. I put that on my lap when I'm meditating and just the weight of it grounds me. um, And I can stay in stillness a lot longer. I have never had this conversation with anyone, Jord, but I am the exact same. I have to, when I meditate, have my blanket on me and then two pillows. Like I just need the weighted energy and I never thought as to why and you've just nailed it for me. That makes sense. Yeah. So when people are lying in yin and they're just lying there on their back, I say to them, you know, feel the back of your body connected to the mat feel gravity pulling you into the earth imagine a heavy blanket laying across the top of your body and that just really allows you to like land in the present moment well this is why weighted blankets are such a thing i don't have one but maybe i should get one i clearly respond well to them well i feel like you're putting pillows on a blanket is just a weighted blanket yeah, that's true. Sounds this like is a true. bit of a marketing spiel, doesn't it? <laughs> this is true. This is true. What about nature time? I guess that's another mm. spiritual practice for me. Getting in the ocean is... Absolutely. And you know what, George? Back what, in the Holly? day... What? I'll tell you what. I'll tell what? you what. <laughs> about five years ago, before I was really diving deep into the spiritual realms, I yeah. also wasn't diving deep into the ocean. Do you like that? But I wasn't. I was the kind of gal that would go to the beach and maybe dip her toe in the water and be like, oh, too cold. Now I can swim all year long. It can be freezing outside and I can still dive headfirst into the water. And and that's what makes me really feel that connecting the ocean is this spiritual practice for me. My energy is so much more grounded and clear after I've been head under the water even if it's just a quick dip in and out yeah interesting yeah yeah yeah. there's something about your head being under that makes all the difference though right I agree I think I I quote Peter Kelly every second episode but she said she had a status update maybe last year that said I will never use a fresh blow dry as an excuse as to not get my hair wet in the ocean and I'm like each sister like there's nothing better so i don't get my hair blow dried so well, it yes really... you do i've seen it blow dried before yeah i straighten it these days guys i'm a new woman <laughs> um i yesterday i was having a bit of a uh casual meltdown and oh, yeah. i um <laughs> we've just put well not we my landlord has just put out a fresh patch of grass just by the pool have you seen the fresh patch of grass no i haven't seen the fresh patch oh, it's so good it's like it's just like maybe i have the fresh, with the umbrella no it's like no. the freshest of fresh grass that's just been oh. like imported in and they've just rolled it out and it's growing and it's just beautiful and oh. so I went and earthed on it yesterday. I like yes. took my shoes off, put my soles of my feet on there, and I just lay on the grass. And it was so, honestly, I could feel my cells coming alive again. 
Yeah, I did the exact same. We went outside yesterday and we're like, let's have our cacaos and put our bare feet on the grass. There's, it, there's just nothing like it. And the fresh breeze and, oh, it's delicious. Yeah, so that is a spiritual practice. Another nature-based spiritual practice for me is getting up and watching the sunrise and the yeah. sunset. And I've spoken about that before, but I really like, well, I mean, I'll happily pick one. But when I'm really having anxiety and freaking out a lot, I like to be able to see the same sunrise and set in the same day. I love that. You know what? It's one of those practices that I love when I'm in it, but it's also one that I always put off and I don't have a reason for it. The sun rises pretty late nowadays, like 6.30ish, right? Maybe six. I sleep through the sunrise. Um, but I love when I do watch the sun, especially when it comes up over the ocean. It's like a very spiritual experience for me. I find that poems download really effortlessly for me when I'm sitting on the beach ri- watching the sunrise. Very specific, but yeah, a channel opens. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mm. it's that thin veil between day and night. It's like taking you into a new cycle, a new ebb, a new flow, you know? And totally. then finding that closure at the end of the day and knowing that as you come into the darkness, you've got a period of time as the sun sets, but then it's going to rise again in the morning. So it's like it just takes you back into rhythms. It's honoring the cyclical nature that we're part of, right? Yeah. How about this is this is going a little out there. Do you have any kind of spiritual practice with your cycle? Because I know women do. Like there are women who will uh, take the blood from their moon cup and bury it in the earth, for instance. I mean, I haven't I haven't got any spiritual practices with my cycle, but there are women who do. Yeah, I, I'm not one of them. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help you. I just find it so intriguing, right? Because it's like on the surface we've got oracle cards, tarot cards, this and that, but we could really just keep going, 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 and people find their spiritual connection in so many different things. Yes, and I think that this oh, – and, and that is amazing. Like if you have a spiritual practice connected to your menstrual cycle, I'm all for it. But yeah. just on that, like you could just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. This is where you have to stand back and go – why do I have so many spiritual practices? What is my intention behind them? What am I trying? What void am I trying to fill? Love that so much. You're right because you could literally attach to every single thing from showering to, and I was back, like especially the beginning of this year, showering to writing in my journal to this to that to every catch up. It had to have some kind of spiritual undertone. And what's the most refreshing piece in my life right now is honoring the human and the spiritual and them not needing to be together all of the time yeah and also like really appreciating the spiritual for what it is you know yes rather than it being exhausted in your life having it as a really respected ritualistic practice that is seeped in intention and I guess a little bit of gratitude as well rather than when I was pulling cards every day, I definitely wasn't grateful for them and the potency that they held. And also I have to say like um, making sure that, well, again, it's intention that your practice is for you and not to wear as a label or for you to prove something to someone else or for you to be able to identify. I love that you have stuff to say, but when you put your hand oh, no, up I like that when I'm trying to talk, it's so distracting. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm cheering <laughs> on. This isn't me needing to say. This is like preach sister. Um, yeah, it's just like it's um, it's 
it takes away from the whole point of spirituality, which is connection to self. Absolutely. And that's where we can get caught up in the image of spirituality as opposed to what authentically rings true for you. Here's another way of looking at it um, as a spiritual practice. Like where in your life are you showing kindness and can you show kindness more? Where in your life are you being compassionate and can you be more compassionate? Where in your life do you struggle with empathy? Can you find empathy for others? That is a spiritual practice. Absolutely. And even alongside that, Jord, looking at the kindness and the compassion and the empathy for others and for self as well. How are you honoring yourself and your energy and your space? Absolutely. Um, What are some like spiritual practices that you have been intrigued by but never explored? I mean, I know Ruins was one of them, but is there anything else? probably tarot i've i've explored but not to its fullest capacity uh and the the latest thing that i'm actually looking at is the artist's way which i think can be considered a bit of a spiritual practice there are the morning pages and the artist date and the whole 12-week program so that's what i'm about to dip my toe into which is i guess a spiritual connection to creativity yeah it's a very interesting yeah yeah how about you um I'm pretty satisfied, I have to say. Like, um, I mean, there's a few sort of practices, I guess. No, no, actually, you know I feel what? very full. I would be intrigued to try ch- chanting, chanting. Oh, it's amazing. Have you never been chanting before? Never. Oh, my God, Holly. Well, you'd love it because you get to hear the sound of your own voice a lot. Yeah, but it is, it is uh, what's the word? Um well, it's transformative, but that's not the word I'm looking for. It seriously takes you out of your body. Transcendent. It's tra- you feel transcendent. It's mental. When I was in the ashram in India, we had to do two hours of chanting every morning. <gasps> like Elizabeth Gilbert in Eat, Pray, Love. Yes. And um, at first you're like, I don't know any of these words and I can't sing along with this and this is just insane. And then you just learn it and you just get carried away with it. And it's much like repeating mantra in meditation. It just, it starts to hypnotize you and it just takes you off into (sighs) this like, it's really, there's a lot of Kirtan um, practices in Sydney Hall. Um, Jiva Mukti in Newtown have Kirtan, Kirtan, K-I-R-T-A-N. I'm going to try it as try something new and report back on my experience. You should. Okay. But I'd try and do a few of them before you before reporting your experience. Okay. But that actually, speaking of sound, I love um, the sound bowls. I've got Tibetan bowls. I haven't used them very much, but they're they're another beautiful spiritual practice that I just dropped into my head then. I went to a sound um, bath meditation a couple of weeks ago. That's right. And it was so beautiful. She used lots of different instruments. So she had crystal bowls. She had these like, I couldn't, I wanted to open my eyes and see what she was doing. But it sounded like these bells that were just like all really soft. And they felt like they were coming from all different directions in the room, but very light, almost like a fairy. It was just like amazing. And then she had like gongs and then she'd sing. And then it was just insane. 
Sound healing is incredible. Isn't it? I even had a spiritual experience having a Thai massage this week. I went into some kind of transcendent state and that wasn't a that wasn't a specifically spiritual massage. It was just her walking along my back. But it's so funny. You can find those moments of transcendence in even day-to-day activities. Well, absolutely. I had that... Um shamanic healing up here yes yeah with eloise from uh byron bay healing grounds yes is that what it's called that is um and she took me on what they call a drum journey which is basically her drumming and guiding me through i guess it's like a meditation but it's like a journey into self And I've never had such a deep exploration into self so fast just by the, it was the way that the rhythm of the drum and she'd like speed it up and then slow it down and it's insane. Unbelievable. Insanity. Insane in the membrane. (laughs) Jord, I'm excited about your record because once more, I don't know what it is. (laughs) Well, it's not a TV show this week. I wanted to seem a little bit more um, smart. So it's a book. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to hear about this one. Yeah. So a uh, bit of a background. I um, started with a friend of mine up in Byron, a book club, which I've tried to do a book club a few times. And um, people just don't turn up to meetings and you kind of get bored of it. But this book club's pretty dedicated. So the most recent book that we read is called Where the Crawdads Sing. Now, crawdads, okay. I didn't know this. They're like uh, crayfish, ah. like lobstery, crayfishy things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Delia Owens. It is such a beautiful book. I would put it in the league of very different kind of book, but sort of like, you haven't read this, Holly, but um, The Bronze Horseman that kind of vibe okay it's a coming of age story but it's also a murder mystery so it's <gasps> like the two combined um it goes back and forth in time quite a bit but they do it in a way that's really easy to understand like you don't lose track of what time zone you're in and um it's one of those books that you just get so attached to certain characters and the way she's written it is so evocative and beautiful you can really visualize what's going on like I really hope they make it into a movie Um, oh wow but it's basically set it's set in the 60s in like the deep south okay um and it's about this girl called Kaya and they call her the marsh girl so she she grew up in a marsh pretty much which is like a swamp yeah. Um, pretty much on her own. Like she had her mother left. She had an abusive father. All her siblings left because they didn't want to be around her father. And she pretty much just grew up on her own in the marsh and really fended for herself. Um, but it's just, it is such a beautiful book. It took me a little while to get into it. And I always like to tell people that because I'm one to give up. Yes. But a friend of mine who recommended it said, please keep reading because it is so good. The only reason I found it hard to get into in the beginning is it takes a while to get used to the language. There's a lot of deep South slang. Okay. Um, But once you get used to it, then it's really, 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 really great. I couldn't put it down by the end. Like I stayed up really late into the night. I love books like that and I've been wanting a book like that. So I'm going to read it. Thanks for the record, George. You're welcome. Um, Good one. And it's also been recorded by my mate, Reese Witherspoon. So. Oh, I love Reese's records. Yeah. 
Um, Love it. My reco is not food this week. It could have been, but I decided, no, Holly, you are more than just what you eat. You are also the music you listen to. So I found another artist that I think you guys are going to love. I hope you guys are going to love. And they're an Aussie act. They're called Seaforth. Now, I like them for a number of reasons. Number one, Seaforth is the suburb that I live in. And in fact, they are two men from this area. However, they've made it big in Nashville. So they're country musicians, George. Yes, I remember you sent me these guys. Yeah, and they are very new in terms of, like, they don't have an album yet. If you look them up on Spotify, they've only got four or five pictures. But this, uh, four or five pictures, sorry, I'm just looking at their songs. Um, Four or five songs. But they're so catchy. I've, I've had a few people in my life, including Trent, listen to them and everyone's like, oh, they're like Keith Urban, but sort of like a mix between One Direction and Keith Urban. They've got that poppy, catchy edge because I'm not a big country listener. I mean, just tell us if count. But yeah, she these, guys, these guys are great. They are supporting act for Keith Urban when he comes out to Sydney on tour at the end of the year as well, which is really cool. How did you find them, Holt? My girlfriend Lauren is a singer and she knows them through the industry. So they're not they're not very known publicly. Okay. Um my next question, can you name one Keith Urban song? Um that song <laughs> that's on How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and they ha- have sex in the shower to it. What is it? Ah, it's on my high vibes playlist. So, this is just proving my point. For a very, very famous, established country music artist, I could not name one Keith Urban song. Yeah, I know. Fuck. I, hang on a second. But you know when it's in your head, I no, just... No, we don't... It's a podcast. We don't really have time to fuck, do that. Fuck, fuck, but we do fuck. have time to play... I want to love somebody, love somebody like you. Yeah, that's a good one. That's it. I think that's his one hit. Um, <laughs> marrying Nicole Kidman was his second. Um, We do have time to play Guess That Celebrity Natal Chart. I'm nervous. I've been stressed about this all morning. Would you like a man or a woman? Woman. And would you like a singer, an actor, a TV host, or a a, a crocodile wrangler? (laughs) Um, Preferably someone that works with animals, but I'm happy with an actress or a singer. Okay. Guess the celebrity natal chart for Gwyneth Paltrow. Ooh, good one. Good one. Now, I just want to say stakes are high because you did so well last week, George. I think Gwyneth that was a Paltrow. fluke. Okay, Gwyneth Paltrow. Start with the elements. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier to do it that way and then we can work our way back. Well, I just want to talk this out, my process. Yeah. She's she's clearly a communicator and she likes to do things differently. She's an actress. There are a few things at play here. So I'm feeling some fire and air, but also maybe water because I feel there's a sensitivity with her. So I am going to go with a... Water rising? Yes, Correct. Pisces? Yeah. Pisces rising. This is this is good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that it's an air star sign. Sun. Air sun. Yes. <clears throat> I 
I don't feel Gemini with her at all. Or Aquarius. Oh, I'm going to go Libra. Libra Sun. Well done. <gasps> this is good. Wow. Two out of three ain't bad. What is her moon? going to say a fire sign because she's an actress. No. That's incorrect. Okay. So, okay. So let's just break this down. I'm going to give you a bit of a hint there. Okay. If you weren't a fire sign, but you were an actress, what else could you be? Is she double air? Is she Gemini moon? Yeah. Oh, my God. Gwenny. Libra, Gemini moon, Pisces rising. Yeah. That's really good, Hole. I don't know if I would have guessed any of that, actually. Well... I think I really had to drop into my intuition with that. Yeah. And that, that thank you, intuition. Because she does feel very gentle, doesn't she? And that totally. Libra and Pisces makes a lot of sense. Yeah. How fun is Guess That Celebrity Nerdle Chart? And it's interesting because Gwyneth, Gwyneth is very in the zeitgeist. Like, she's very on the poles, which means she's highly intuitive. Pisces. And that's the Pisces in her. That's the Pisces. Yeah, yeah. That, that's This is fun. Guys, let us know if you're playing along at home and how you go too. Yeah, so definitely. Love it. Um, what are you teaching us this week, Joe? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a bit of a rogue teach me something new. I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, so all cards on the table. I've had a really rough month. Like it's been really fucking rough. I just yeah. keep getting some big things thrown at me. Um and one of the things that's been coming up, and legitimately so, because there has been a lot of stuff to deal with, I've had really bad anxiety. And I haven't had bad anxiety since I was probably in my 20s. I really kind of dealt with my anxiety and I manage it really well and I'm very conscious of what exacerbates it and all the rest of it. But um, there's just been a lot going on to be anxious about. And so I find that my anxiety at night, when the lights are off and it's silent can really start to ramp up. And I know that that's the case for a lot of people. Um, But I've really been trying because the thing is, if I don't get any sleep, I'm completely fucked the next day. Like Mm. I can't write, which means that's my job. I can't communicate, which is also my job. I can't, you know, I can't get creative or brainstorm or yeah. So um, it's really important that I sleep. So I've come up with a few different things that I do and that have been working to help with, anxiety at night and I thought maybe I could share them I'm so down for this job because I, I feel the same at night time it, it's when the feelings it's when you're present with them right you can't distract yourself so hit us what do you got okay well the first thing I do is I actually make sure that I'm taking magnesium before I go to bed and if I'm not taking a magnesium supplement I'm spraying magnesium oil on the soles of my feet or just on my body somewhere it's highly absorbable um so that's the first thing Second thing is I, and this is not a mandatory thing, but if you happen to have a Shakti mat, I lie on my Shakti mat and I put on um, some sort of beautiful soothing music. So either some Tibetan bells or some sort of like dream state, um, theta waves or something. You can find Mm -hmm. beautiful sleep music on the Insight Timer. It's free Um, and there's lots and lots and lots of stuff to choose from. So I, I dim the lights in my room or I either turn the lights off or I just put my salt lamp on. Sometimes I'll mm. put my eye mask on 
and I lie there and I breathe very deeply and very consciously while I'm listening to some music to really calm myself down. Because for me with anxiety, um, you know, there's a lot of thought process that goes on with a chart that's completely ruled by Mercury, but also it's the physical symptoms. And I think that's what's the scariest bit about anxiety is the heart racing and the shortness of breath and the sweatiness and like the whole kit and caboodle, you know? Totally, totally. So I find the Shakti mat's good for the physical body because it brings you back into your sensory body. Um, the deep breathing is really beautiful and then the the listening of the music is quite distracting from the thoughts totally yeah so I do that and sometimes I've been known to do that in the middle of the night like if I wake up in the middle of the night wow that's amazing but I do try and do it before I go to sleep um the other thing I find really helpful in terms of sound is putting on um the sound of rain or the sound of the ambient forest or the sound of something also free on insight timer and you can actually download it so that you can still have your phone on airplane mode and i like to listen if i wake up in the middle of the night and i have anxiety and i can't get back to sleep i put the rain app on and there's something about the white noise that really starts to bring you away from your thoughts and you almost become hypnotized by the sound of it. And I've had, honestly, like the way it's been this month, I've only just stopped doing it, but I played it the whole night. It would just play the whole night as I slept. Tren and I are huge advocates for the white noise, George. We have a Dyson fan that we use mainly for the white noise, not for the fan itself. Yeah. And I had Leah stay here one night last week and she was like, oh, no, I can't have that on. I can't have any sound. And honestly, I was lying there like I can hear everything. White noise is amazing. Well, when I stayed at your house um, and I was sleeping out on the couch... I had to put on my rain app in my headphones in my ear. That's right. So I could sleep. And not hear Trent snoring. Oh, yeah, but not even – it wasn't (laughs) even from the snoring. It was just like I can't sleep without it. Totally, totally. Um, The other thing that I think is totally okay to do when you wake up with anxiety, sometimes we just lie there and we're like, go back to sleep, go back to sleep, go back to sleep. No, I turn the light on. I'll sit up, I'll know that I'm safe, I breathe. If I need to rationalize something in my head that I'm being very irrational about, I'll take five minutes to rationalize it, calm yeah. myself down and go back to sleep. Yeah. Um, the other night I ha- actually had a panic attack, which was not okay, um, but I was on my own in the house and I, you know, I couldn't, I suppose I could have called someone, but I didn't um, And because I tell everybody to put their phone on flight mode so yeah. no one's available in the middle of the night for me. Um, But I went and had a shower and I just found that what the shower did was it changed the neurons, uh, the the ions in my body and all the negative charge kind of got time to move around and displace itself. And I kind of came back to self and I took some, you know, deep breaths while I was in the shower and different temperature on my skin. And by the time I went back up to bed, I was a completely different person. Honestly, Jord, when you mentioned that to me this week, I thought it was genius. It's like a circuit breaker where you're shocking your system and it's like it doesn't even have the chance to be anxious anymore because you've just thrown it a bit. Yeah. I love it. And it's such a sensory experience too, so that getting back into your body as well. Yeah, I think – I think, and I think that, you know, a lot of the time the 
issue with when we wake up in the middle of the night is everything seems 10 times worse because you actually are not in a position to do anything about it in the middle of the night half the time yeah you know, if it's a conversation you need to have you can't have it if it's work that you need to do you can't do it if it's you know whatever yeah um, so just like I said before taking five minutes to rationalize I can deal with this in the morning I'm safe in this moment. There's nothing I can do while I'm sleeping. I'm going to go to sleep now and I'll deal with it tomorrow. I love that so much. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just some little things that work for me. And I thought, you know, it might be helpful for people to hear them and also know that they're not alone and anxiety is completely normal. And I've got very mild anxiety. Like I know there's people out there with serious anxiety that have to take medication and I'm actually all for taking meds for anxiety yeah, absolutely yeah absolutely. i i don't take western medicine a lot but when it comes to mental health stuff i think if you've tried all other other avenues and you're still not in a place of uh, stability stability then absolutely being on some sort of mental health plan Oh, girl, I second that loud and clear. It's interesting because I do a few of the things that you mentioned as well and not necessarily it, it wasn't ever consciously for managing my anxiety symptoms, but they obviously do. Like the magnesium spray before bed is just a given and, yeah, those sorts of things I weave into my nightly routine as well. So it's nice to know that they they play into that lessening of the anxiety symptoms too. Yeah. And also, again, um, like I said, like if you're having a few nights of anxiety, getting up and watching the sunrise and then making sure you go and watch the sunset and just getting yourself back into a cycle. Because once you know that the anxiety is also just part of a cyclical um, rhythm, then it's easier to get through it because it's not forever. It's impermanent. I love that so much, Sean. Really good segment. I like it. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. You've been listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Zapati and Jordana Levine. Join our Facebook group, just search The Middle Podcast Show and follow us on Instagram while you're there at the underscore middle underscore podcast. Check the link in our bio to join our newsletter list, which may or may not enter your inboxes on Wednesdays, Thursdays or Fridays. <laughs> um, there's also a link to the newsletter in Woohoo! Catching your ear holes next week! Hold up! What was that? Boring! No flavor! That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week! Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 